0: I'm glad you're here. I'm going to ask you men to help me by participating in a short survey. So if you're a man and you have children, would you please stand? Men with children should stand. If you're a man and all your children are boys, you get to sit down. Wait, I know your daughter. You can't sit down yet. If you're a man and your girl or your children are from the 12th grade down, you can be seated. If you're a man and your daughter was single and she bought a house, you need to remain standing. Everybody else can sit down. So I need to see who I'm looking at. All right, you three can be seated. Because you did me wrong. You can be seated. Some of you, when I made this statement, both of my girls have graduated, I'm getting a raise. Came up and said, you don't really get a raise. But nobody said, if your single daughter buys a house, you become the labor force. (laughs) So my oldest daughter, Megan, recently bought a house in Milan, Tennessee. Her house and I were both built in the same year. The year of our Lord, 1961. Her house is in better shape than I'm in. It's a nice house. Beautiful hardwoods. But it needed some love. Apparently some dad love. At some point, dad love means painting. On the first trip, I carried all of her stuff down, unloaded it out of the trailer, By myself, because she was at work. She's a children's pastor. I know what at work means. As I was unloading the refrigerator, she shows up. And then we began painting. I say we, and I mean me. The first trip, we painted the bedroom and the den. The second trip, I was on vacation. I had hiked for three days. I came home. And since you don't have anything else to do, Dad... You could come with me to church on Sunday. And if you're coming to church on Sunday, why not come and do some painting? So I painted the other two bedrooms and the hall. The house had been vacant for about two and a half years. The paint was dry. Every space of wall or ceiling needed two coats of paint. Again, the house was built in 1961. There was crown molding in every room including the bathroom. Every wall, every piece of trim needed not one but two coats of paint. That's two coats of paint on the ceiling and two trim outs of the ceiling. Two coats of paint on the high gloss white trim. Every room, every window, every door, every floor. Two coats of paint on the wall. Two bedrooms and a hall that has seven doorways no dad gave me warning. While I was there painting alone, I needed something to do to break the boredom, so I turned on my phone for some music. Now, if you're my age or older, you may not know that this exists, but I had college daughters once, and they made me subscribe to Apple Music. It's a $14.95 a month ripoff, but they enjoy it, and so while I was there, I googled or I searched christian comedy i had listened to rick and baba because they're friends and i had listened to bob smiley because i knew who he was and i even listened to mark lowry and then in the search i saw nephew tommy i did not know of nephew tommy so i listened it appears that nephew tommy gets his moniker because he is the nephew of um (laughs) that guy of Steve Harvey, he was on the Steve Harvey Morning Show, and nephew Tommy would call believers, Christians, and prank them. One of the calls, he called a choir section leader and said, "I need to talk to you about your BO problem." He asked, "Who are you?" Well, I'm on the other side of the choir, and he kept pushing him until this guy breaks down, and they tried to bleep out the profanity, but they didn't do a very good job. And there was lots of those, and at first I'm laughing, and this is funny, and then it happened. I realized that these were choir leaders, church members, staff members, and when they were squeezed, what came out of them was nasty. And I realized that these were followers, these were talking to unbelievers who were going to define what I am as a Christian. They were basing what they think a follower of Christ is on who these people are. I remember that Jesus said, out of the mouth, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I was ashamed for them. For years I've made this statement. I don't think I read it anywhere. I don't think I heard it in a sermon. I think it's one of those things God gave me just for me. But the statement is this. Jesus is as interested in your attitude as he is in your actions. So today, I want us to walk through some scripture and see if this statement is really true. And if it is really true, how does it affect and impact us as believers? How should we respond? I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 23. We're going to look together first at Matthew 23, 23 through 28. So when you find that in your scripture, would you stand with me as we have a public reading of God's word? This is the word of the Lord. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. Even you so outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Father God, we thank you for your word. Father, we pray that during this time that you will be our speaker, that your Holy Spirit will speak to us as we walk through the words of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. This chapter, chapter 23 of Matthew, has seven woe to you statements he says woe to you which in simple Donny lingo means this you're going to wish you hadn't I say that because when I was a child I would do something and my mom would not say woe to you but she would say you're going to wish you hadn't because your dad is coming home I learned that lesson while I was at home I think I forgot it when I got out. It denotes being shamed. The Pharisees did not like to be shamed. None of us like to be shamed, especially if it's our area of expertise. So in lay-in context, we're going to look at these seven woes. The first we would have found in verse 13. Woe number one, Jesus says, you're going to wish you hadn't kept people from the kingdom. By the way, you're not going to make it either. Woe number two, verse 15, Jesus says, you're gonna wish you hadn't traveled the world looking for converts just to make them twice as fit for hell as you are. Woe number three from verse 16, Jesus says, you're gonna wish you hadn't been a blind guide. When Jesus says blind guide, he could have meant you are a guide for the blind. They would have liked that because they saw their role as taking people blind to the law and showing them the way. They saw themselves as guides for the blind to the law. But Jesus could have meant, as a guide, you are blind. So you are a blind God. Earlier in Matthew, Jesus had stated that if the blind leave the blind, they both fall into a hole. What Jesus was really saying to the Pharisees, to the religious of the day, is you don't see it. You're blind to it. You're ignorant to the truth. Your minds have been blinded by Satan. Jesus mentions in this, woe the importance of being people of integrity. He says to them, you should be so truthful that we never have to preface your statements with things like, okay, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not kidding. Hey, this is real. Seriously. No lie. I'm dead serious. On my mother's eyes. We shouldn't have to swear by God or the temple or the sacrifices in the temple to get people to believe us. The next three woes we covered in our passage, woe number four was in verse 23. Jesus says, you're going to wish you hadn't thought you could buy your way out of trouble because at the end of the day, while tithing is important, so is remember to be just and to show mercy and to be faithful. There's, this is a good spot to show that Jesus is as interested in our attitudes as he is in our actions because giving the tithe is an action. For some, it requires a little math. Usually, we say give 10% of my income. We're not going to get into the 10% of the net or gross. We're just going to let that go today. I'm not going to ask you if you tithe on your tax refund because some of you would say, why? It's a refund on money which I've already given. That would be ridiculous. It might make God laugh hilariously. One is an action, given meticulously counting every penny and giving one-tenth as a tithe. One is an attitude. God has blessed me and he blesses me when I give. So I want to look for ways to give him more so that it might make him laugh hilariously. And while God is laughing, I will look for ways to treat others justly and show mercy and be faithful. In other words, I think Jesus is saying to the religious, you got the actions down pat, good job. But your attitude needs some work. And in a lot of ways, we are like them. We understand action. Do this. Don't do this. Thou shalt not. We understand action. And sometimes we actually like lists. Well, we like lists we can agree with. We like lists that we can pull off. Unfortunately, quoting my friend Greg Burgess, I don't think we have the tools to pull this off. God gave us Ten Commandments. The Mosaic law consisted of 613 laws, that's 365 don'ts and 248 do's. I remember being in Old Testament class at Sanford, Dr. Mabry Lunsford, who had that Virginian Southern draw. He was teaching and he said, that's one don't for every day and one do for every bone. See, I did learn something there. God gave us laws and a sacrificial system to find forgiveness And as a people, we did not do a really good job at pulling that off. The religious of Jesus' day tried hard. Jesus told them as leaders, you can't even see what you're doing. You're so blind. You'll strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. They would actually count seeds and define where a tenth of the seeds were and tithe on that. But they would not show mercy. They would not be just. They would not be faithful. Jesus here is full throttle. It would be absurd to think about swallowing a camel. We've all accidentally swallowed a gnat. You don't accidentally swallow a camel. Jesus is pointing out that they are just focusing on just the actions without adopting the attitude. What's even cooler here is he's talking to the religious about following even the most minute part of the law swallowing a gnat and forsaking the bigger parts of the law swallowing the camel but both of these the gnat and the camel would have been considered unclean to swallow jesus is as interested in our attitudes as he is in our actions woe number five was found in verse 25 jesus says you're going to wish you hadn't spent so much time going through the motions of washing the outside of the cup when the inside is full of deadly bacteria The law required proper cleansing of the cups, the vessels, and the religious leaders were meticulous. But just of washing the outside of the cup, and that did nothing for the inside. The Pharisees did not have the best reputation when it came to dealing with others. They took advantage of widows. They cheated people in business. They looked out for number one. Not number one as in the God of the universe, but they saw themselves as number one. Our fall festival is a challenging day. We have a team that gets together. They stay all day. We set up, we maintain, we tear down, we bring it back and store it. This past year, according to my Apple watch, I had a 16 mile day, all at the Oak Mount Amphitheater. When it was time to open the gates and bring the people in, I went into our changing tent to change clothes. I changed everything. I had some baby wipes and tried to help with the aroma. I applied deodorant and cologne. When I stepped out of the tent, somebody said, well, you look nice and smell better. I may have looked nice and smelled better, but I wasn't clean. I needed a shower. I needed some soap. I may have looked better and look clean and smell better but it was just a ruse it was an attempt at pretending to be something that I wasn't clean Jesus is telling the religious you might have the right look on the outside but you have a problem inside well number six is found in verse 27 Jesus says you're going to wish you hadn't pretended to be beautiful only to be full of death Jews weren't allowed to touch anything dead or full of death, like a carcass or a tomb. If you touch something related to death, you were considered unclean. So they would whitewash the tombs so that the stark whiteness would always let you know, keep away, do not touch. It's still a custom today. They may look beautiful, but they contain death. And to simply touch it would make you unclean. The action is making the outside look clean. The attitude is cleaning the inside of death. Scripture tells us, choose life. Jesus said, I am life. So a question is, are we full of death or are we full of Jesus? There's one more woe, woe is me. I'm going to mention it, even though it wasn't in our scripture. It's woe number seven. It's found in verse 29. Jesus says, you're going to wish you hadn't been a bunch of snakes you spend time honoring the dead prophets by keeping their tombs in exquisite shape but it's a farce you care more about how you look by doing righteous acts than you do about living righteous lives the religious were men of action but jesus is more interested in your attitude than he is in your action. The Old Testament law says, thou shall not commit adultery. That's an action. Jesus said, I say, to if you look at woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery already. That's an attitude. On a bad day, you catch yourself thinking, I'm not happy with my spouse. Wow, I'd like to. That's when you step in and say, change my attitude and be grateful for what God gave me. Earlier in Matthew, Jesus says, here's the action You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Here's the attitude. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. Here's the action. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, here's the attitude. Turn to him the other also. Typically, we would be moved to action. I'm entitled to get even, so if you hit me, I deserve to hit you back. The proper attitude is, I'm not going to fight you on this. The passage continues. Action. Action. If someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, attitude, let him have your cloak as well. Action, if someone forces you to go one mile, attitude, go with him too. Action, give to the one who asks you an attitude. Do not turn away from one who wants to borrow from you. Jesus is as interested in your attitude as he is in your actions. Peter asked Jesus, if somebody sins against me, how many times should I forgive him? Up to seven times, there's your action. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but up to 70 times seven, there's your attitude. Jesus isn't telling us to forgive our brothers who sin against us 490 times or 70 times or 77 times. That's action and math. Nobody wants to do math. He's telling us we should always forgive our brothers when they have sinned against us. That's attitude. And here's the reason. Because God in heaven has forgiven us all of our sins. And it would be wrong for us to deny our brothers and sisters a similar forgiveness for lesser matters. Jesus said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. There's an action. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. There's an attitude. He gives us a reason, it's in verse 45, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. There's the story of the rich young ruler. He asked Jesus, how do I get to heaven? Jesus quoted a few of the commandments. Here's your action, keep the commandments. Here's the attitude. He went away sad because he had much. Don't be confused. Remember that Greg Burgess quote, I don't think we have the tools to pull this off? We don't. And neither did he. That's the problem with just action. We can't be perfect. We cannot perfectly keep the law. Because not only is our nature to sin, so is our attitude. Jesus told us about two men who went to the temple to pray one was a Pharisee, one was a tax collector. Here's the action. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. Here's the attitude. We find it in what he prayed. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, swindlers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a day. I pay tithes on all that I receive. Here's the action. But the tax collector stood at a distance, unwilling to even lift his eyes to heaven. Instead, he beat his chest and said... Here's the attitude. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Here's the results. Jesus said the tax collector went home justified because if your attitude is one of humbleness, you will be exalted. The Pharisee wasted his time because everyone whose attitude is only about exalting themselves will be humble, brought down, level. Because Jesus is as interested in your attitude as he is in your action action do not murder attitude whoever is angry with his brother without a cause is in danger of judgment action bring your gifts to the altar but if you remember you have a problem with your brother attitude leave the gift go and fix the relationship then give your gift action do charitable deeds attitude don't do them before others for glory do them in secret and god will bless you action fasting attitude. Don't let anyone know. Don't look sad. Take a shower and clean up so no one knows what you're doing. Action. Lay up your treasures in heaven where treasure lasts. Attitude. Don't just work for the present for yourself. It will just rot and ruin and rust. Remember, where your treasure is is where your heart is. Action. Look what we did in your name. Attitude. Go away. I do not know you. There was the story of the centurion with the sick servant. Action. Ask Jesus for healing. Attitude. Just say the word and he will be healed. The result. Jesus declared, I've never seen such great faith. Action. Lord, I will follow you. Attitude. When it's convenient. Jesus' response. Let the dead bury the dead. Action. Action. Sick woman for 12 years decides if I can just touch him. Attitude, I will be healed. Result, daughter, your faith has made you well. I wish Jesus had said, your attitude of believing in me has made you well, but he didn't. Action, two blind men call out to Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus asked, do you believe I can heal you? Attitude, yes, sir, we do. Result, They became two former blind men. If we jumped ahead a couple of chapters to Matthew 25, starting with verse 31, Jesus says when the Son of Man comes back in all of his glory with all of his angels, he will be seated on the throne and there will be judgment. It will be like a shepherd because he is the good shepherd separating people like a shepherd would separate the sheep from the goats. He'll say to the sheep, those who are blessed by the Father, it's time to be rewarded. Get ready. Here comes the action. For when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes. You clothed me. I was sick. You looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. The attitude, the attitude of the righteous, When. When did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? When did we see you needing clothes and close you? When were you sick or in prison and we go to visit you? The result, Jesus replied, here's the deal. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Don't forget there were two groups, sheep and a goat. Here's the action of the goat. there was no action only questions when did we see you hungry when did we see you thirsty when did we see you a stranger when did we see you needing clothes when did we see you sick or in prison here's the attitude if we had known it was you if we had realized you were looking we would have done something somebody want to get the lord a sandwich no ham you, can I have that bottle of water? How about your robe? Or well, we'll give it to you now. Here's the result. Jesus said, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Because Jesus is as interested in your attitude as he is in your action. Jesus is not anti-law. In fact, Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. I didn't come to break the law. I came to change your actions to the law to actions of your attitude. Because grace is not a free pass to do whatever. Actions, works are the result of your attitude. You can fake good works. (laughs) You can fake a good attitude, but not for very long. You get the right attitude and the good works are sure to follow. So what is the right attitude? Philippians 2 verse 5. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God... And gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will declare that Jesus Christ, to the glory of God, the Father, that Jesus Christ is Lord. The action. God elevated Jesus to the place of highest honor. God gave him a name above all names. God will cause every knee to bow and every tongue to declare that Jesus is Lord. The attitude... Jesus gave up his right of entitlement. The master became the servant. The king was born in a stable. The innocent was sentenced to death, a criminal's death on the cross. Jesus is as interested in your attitude as he is in your actions. So much so, he personally demonstrated what your attitude should be. He was able to demonstrate what our attitude should be because God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were sinners, breakers of the law, Christ died for us. Action, God sent his son to live, die, and come back to life. Attitude, Jesus was totally and completely dependent in both his attitudes and his actions. The result, we are to follow Jesus's example. This past Halloween, Patty and I went to Pastor Davin and Jane Ellen's house to light the night. Children came by and got candy. We chatted, and then towards the end of the night, a very tired-looking Batman came by. Okay, it was a child dressed as a Batman, but I'm pretty sure that when he was at his house and he put on that little muscle bodysuit and he put on his accessory belt and he put on his cape... And he slid on that mask. He looked in the mirror and said, I'm Batman. But the night was long and hard and full of begging for candy and carrying that bag. But when he got to me, I just felt the urge to ask, are you the real Batman? He just looked at me and looked at his costume and shrugged. Patty leaned over and said, I think he forgot what he was dressed up as. I thought, so did those people that nephew Tommy pranked call. And so did the Pharisees when Jesus started the woe to you. Because Jesus was saying, I think you've forgotten what you're dressed up as. Because they were dressed up. They were actors. Jesus tells us that when he uses the word hypocrite. It's not enough just to be dressed up to pretend or to act, which is the root word for action. Jesus warns us, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Today, if there's some of you here who have never accepted Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, it's probably our fault. Because many times you look to us to see Jesus and you wondered, are you a real Christian? Only to see a tired soul, tired from acting like a follower of Christ, tired of doing the right things to convince everyone We deserve to go to heaven. I'm sorry to those of you who have looked at me and didn't see the real Jesus. I'm sorry when you look for Jesus and you just saw a Pharisee. If you're looking to someone other than Jesus to see Jesus, you probably wonder, why should you follow him? It's because he's the real deal. It's because God loved you so much. He sent his son, his perfect son, to live on our planet he became completely and fully man while completely and fully being god he walked our earth without sin his actions and his attitude always lined up and then he laid down his life for us he became our sacrifice because we broke the law we sinned today can be your day of salvation it's a matter of believing in faith that he is the God of the universe and he died for you and he will forgive you. For those of you who have just been religious, maybe you made a decision as a child in DBS or youth camp or in a service, you got dressed up today. Maybe you even gave a tithe. But you know that while you may have the actions down, your attitude needs some work. Ask him. Ask him for a fresh start. Rededicate your life today. Today, if you've been looking for a church home and you feel like God is leading you here, today would be an excellent time to come and say, I'm ready. I'm going to be obedient. My actions and my attitude are going to line up. I wish I could tell you that my actions and attitude always line up. Every day, I start at my prayer time or end my prayer time by saying, God, please help me to represent you well today. Because I know there are a lot of days that I don't. But we're supposed to. Because Jesus is as interested in our attitude as he is in our actions. May our attitudes be that of Christ. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you for your word. I pray today that you will indeed help our attitudes and actions to line up Father, for those of us who are followers of you, who have claimed that we're Christians, we've taken your name. Forgive us when we go through the actions, but the attitude is just not there. Father, help us not just to do the right thing, but to do the right thing for the right reason. Because we love you. Because we want to be obedient. Because not only are you our Savior, you're also our Lord. And our only answer is always yes, sir.